You know, everyone's story is intertwined with the Holy Spirit. Everyone's. Uh, some have embraced that. Others have dismissed it or not realized it needs any thought. Some have run away from it. But everyone's story is intertwined with the Holy Spirit. It's as if the Spirit weaves through people's lives consecutively so it draws us all together. That we have a common spiritual experience that we may or may not be able to understand. And that that is part of what it means to be human and has for a long, 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 long time. In fact, since the very, very beginning. Let me, um, let me talk you through it. A history of the Holy Spirit, if you like. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first words of the Bible say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The Spirit prepared the way for the voice of God to create what a beautiful thought. The Holy Spirit paved the way for the voice of God to speak into reality everything that we know. And then, in Genesis 2.7, it says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The ruach is the Hebrew word. And the man became a living being. That word ruach, breath, it's the same word for spirit. It's the same word for essence and energy and presence. God, God placed himself in the beings of humans. He, he ultimately shared himself with others so that he might have an intimate experience of life with them and they might have an intimate experience of his life with him. And then in Genesis 6, 3, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever. For they are mortal, their days will be numbered to 120 years. So God is pointing to the fact that he has encountered this rebellion of the human heart and he has realized there is a hardness that is associated with that that sometimes just cannot be broken open. And so to sort of avoid the longevity and the destruction and the hurt and the dismay of that, what he does is he says, I will limit the human life to 120. Thinking forward that when Christ would come, he would be reunited personally with those people after they reached the end of their lifespan. Fascinatingly though, the first person to recognize God's spirit dwelling in a person wasn't a Christian because Christians hadn't even been invented in a couple of thousand years. It wasn't even a Jewish person or a person that was, um, would be classed as a person of God. It was actually someone who would eventually be an enemy of Christ and an enemy to the Jewish people. It was a pharaoh. The Pharaoh of Egypt. It's in Genesis 41 verse 38 and the background to this is Pharaoh is plagued with dreams and so he calls for people to interpret those dreams and along the journey someone suggests this man Joseph and Joseph come forward, comes forward to reinterpret the dream for Pharaoh and as this goes on and God through Joseph is able to warn Pharaoh of what is to come and so he might prepare for that in Genesis 41 38 Pharaoh asks the people, he says, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God. Isn't that incredible? Can we find someone like this guy because the Spirit of God 
the, the actual spirit of God is in this person. We need to find more like it. It was Pharaoh that recognized that people could experience the spirit of God alive in the life of another. It wasn't until a long time later that we see God actually admit to it of sorts. He, he had told Moses to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle was a portable temple that they would place up throughout the desert where they would wander to and it was a place where they could come and worship God um, and for who God was. There was a lot of instruction that went into that and as um, God instructs in Exodus 31 verse 1 he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See I have chosen Bazalel son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. It's, it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just, just wonderful. He reveals that it is in his nature to specifically and thoroughly fill a person and then gift them. Gift them so that they may know more of the mind of God. They may behave more with the character of God and they may create more with the heart of God. It was official. Not only did God's Spirit bring life to all when poured into a person fully, it brought gifts of wisdom and presence beyond that of their own. Now, I should interject here. I like to have a bit of an angle shift, but the wind is at my back and it's making the microphone go crazy. So if I stay here, even though it's not as creative as I'd like to be, we get a much better experience. So bear with me. You blink your eyes a couple of times and pretend I've just shifted um shifted orientations so so we track along with the the life of the spirit and how the spirit is unraveled or unfolded for us in scripture um, and then we see it multiplied in the lives of others Moses is leading Israel he's exhausted he's kind of like come to the end of his tether he's frustrated at the people he's not sure what to do he's feeling overwhelmed and he pours his heart out to God and God in response says choose 70 elders and the spirit that I've put in you, I will put in them. Listen to this. This is Numbers 11, verse 17. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you, and I will put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people with you, so that you don't have to carry it alone. Isn't that just, just beautiful? God, God permits the sharing of his spirit that he is imparted to one person, he has permitted that person then to share it with others. The spirit that is on this person, that person can then share it with others so that others have the Holy Spirit on them. It had never happened before. It's just this crazy time. Are you seeing the thread? A thread that sort of links and grows in its complexity and brilliance and reach. The move and the development of the spirit and so far, so far, I have not skipped over a single reference to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Isn't that fascinating? Like, not, not once have I, have I said, oh, we'll just move that, leave that one because it's too tricky. So far, up to Numbers 11, you have heard everything that has been said in the Scriptures about the Holy Spirit. And as God's Spirit filled those elders that day, the 70 elders, they began to prophesy. 
they began to speak of the things of God, the words of God and the intentions of God and the desires of God spilt out of their, their mouths. Prophecy wasn't sort of a fortune telling of the future. It was a, a kind of declaring of the character of God into this current circumstance. And so they were prophesying. This had never been seen before. No one had ever seen this before or ever realized this or encountered this. It was a brand new thing. And when it started to happen, there's a guy there, Joshua, and Joshua is Moses' aide. He's been his aide since he was just a little tacker, since he was a little kid. Um, and he's obviously matured in his years. He's not yet the, um, the Joshua who, who he will become that will lead Israel. But he starts to see these elders prophesying and he gets a little bit defensive for Moses. He's like, Moses, that's your job, isn't it? Like, what's going on? Have you seen it? You should shut that down. And then Moses said these words that are kind of timeless. They, they speak forward to our time. They're, they're prophetic, although I don't know if, if, it's, if it's what Moses had in mind when he said them. But these are the words. In Numbers 11 verse 29 we read this are you jealous for my sake i wish that all the lord's people were prophets and that the lord would put his spirit upon them so you see this god ventures to put his spirit on the elders that moses has chosen and moses heart is that every person that loves god will be able to be filled with the holy spirit and that that spirit would guide them and lead them into doing miraculous and wonderful things. For example, like prophecy. Do you see that thread that runs through humanity right from the very beginning? God was gradually, but definitely, sharing more and more and more of himself with more and more and more of humanity. And we sort of sit on the cusp of the culmination of that. One day we will be reunited in fullness with God, in fullness with the Holy Spirit. There will need no need not then to be any infilling of the Spirit because we will be with the Spirit as close as we can ever be. But right now, every single person that says Christ is Lord, that asks for the Holy Spirit to fill them, will be filled. I remember the moment this happened for me. I think I was 16. I think it was my birthday, actually. I was at a concert, conference thing. There's a camp. And, um, and I was sitting next to a kid who... I felt, <laughs> I felt needed God. I was good. He needed God. And so when the altar call came, I asked him if he wanted to go down the front. And to my amazement, he said yes. And so we walked down the front. And as we wandered down the front, God descended upon me in a completely surprising and beautiful and comfortable and amazing, awe-striking way. I remember just feeling that the presence of God, it was, it was thick in that place. I'd never experienced anything like it before, but it didn't, it didn't scare me. It left me in, in wonder. And, and then I felt like my heart had caught on fire and that my eyes were open to the purposes and the things God wanted to do in his world and in his creation, that he wanted me to partner with him in doing it, in joining it. How could I say no? I was, I was offered this thread, it just fell into my hands, God had extended the thread of his spirit that reached right back through the dawn of time, and he was calling me to be part of it, I grabbed hold, and I've, I've tried to hold tight ever since. I've tried to be obedient to the spirit, I've tried to listen, I've tried to um, sense what the spirit was saying to me and to others, I, I, I've tried for it to lead our ministry and our, and our church, and, and as you know, it's, it's, a, it's this messy, mysterious exchange. 
where we are given the opportunity and the chance to follow Christ and to trust in him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's brought me here to you today. It's what will lead us from this place to whatever God wants us to do, this thread of the Spirit that he places in our hands and that we, we need to hold on to tight. So I want you now to think to some of the encounters you've had with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to share them if you're with someone. I want you to share them. But if you're not with someone, I, I want you to jot them down on a piece of paper. I just want you to spend some time thinking about how you encountered the Holy Spirit. What was that encounter like? What impression did it leave on your life? And what's the evidence of it now? So those that general vibe. So do that now. I'll give you a few minutes to do that. Um, and then we'll reconvene. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is literally having... God imparted to us, given to us, residing in our bodies. Like that's that's literally how it is. And I know if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, this is a stretch, right? Of course it is. But God says, I am actually choosing to live in you. I created you with a space for me to live in, and I want to take up that residency now. And as we as we say yes to that, as we go with that, as we find the we find the rhythm of that, we find the rhythms of God. We, we find that the joy of God and the creativity of God and the blessing and the love and the kindness and the gentleness and the courage of God, we find those things as we start to say yes to the Holy Spirit and as the Holy Spirit fills us. And I want to share with you a story now. It's not told by me and it's not about me, but you will be enriched by this story. This is Jackie Pullinger. Let's go. At the age of 21, Jackie Pullinger boarded the cheapest ship she could find stopping off at the greatest number of countries and prayed to know where to disembark. She arrived in Hong Kong in 1966 when the Cultural Revolution was beginning in China and a flood of refugees was about to burst across the border into Hong Kong. More and more people crammed into a place called the Walled City, a small densely populated lawless area. Jackie Pullinger has spent nearly half a century living there working with prostitutes, heroin addicts and gang members. In a talk she gave to a church back in England, she started by saying, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. I think a soft heart is, I don't know how to explain it really, but you probably need yours broken in order for it to become soft. Um, and that's when you begin to realize that, that the Son of God um, would have died for you if you'd been the only person. And then that the, the hard feat is to go on loving them, to go on loving them, to persevere. It's incredible, isn't it? Every time I, I hear that story, I'm just struck by this awness of God. <laughs> that God would do that not just with Jackie but with you and I and not just with those who are young but those of any age and any ability and any setting right now today so what do you think it is what do you suppose it is that holds us back from living more filled with the Holy Spirit what do you think it is see I don't think being filled with the Holy Spirit is a constant state for everyone I don't think it's meant to be. I don't think Bible talks about it that way. I don't think someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit and stays filled with the Holy Spirit completely to its entirety for the entirety of their lives. I don't think it works like that. The Bible certainly doesn't support that 
that um, viewpoint. But there is clear instruction. In Ephesians 5.18, and we've just been sitting in Ephesians, how good has it been? And, and last week was Steve kind of naming that without realizing it was just a beautiful thing. But Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What Paul is saying here is there is an earthly way to fulfill our desires, and it's destructive. And there is a divine way to fill our desires, and it's productive, but both ways are temporary, which means we will need to continue to be filled and have our desires be filled. And Paul is urging us that to continue to move toward the Holy Spirit to have those things filled, not to take it into our own um, abilities to have those things filled. So why don't we return to God's Spirit as much as we should? Paul, when writing to a church whose very existence hung on the fact that if the Holy Spirit didn't fill them, it was all over, they were all over. He, he said to them, to the church of Galatia, he said, first of all, walk by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And then he says, not only walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then he says, in fact, don't just walk by the Spirit or be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why is this so hard? Why don't we return to God's Spirit as much as we should? What do you suppose holds us back from living a more Spirit-filled life? I want you to discuss that now for a couple of minutes, or if you're by yourselves, just to jot those thoughts down. I play this game with my kids. They always initiate it, they always start it. They run up to me, and they jump on my feet, and they grab my hands, and they instruct me to walk. They say walk. And then we, we do this funny dance where we try, and, we try and work out that they lift their foot at the same time that I lift my foot, so we stay connected and in unison, but it makes it easy for us to walk and after a, after a little bit of muddling around with that and balancing and trying to get it right and exploring um, the, the balance that we each bring to this arrangement we can get up quite a pace we can really get things going and the kids love it they, they love it they love the adventure of it they love that they don't know where I'm going to walk or how they're going to adjust to do that but the excitement of it and the joy of it and the unknown the adventure of it they kind of have this instant mystery that they get to share with me and that I get to to dictate it's it's like they're walking in my steps and they're being led by me and they're keeping in step with me and what's actually happening is they are forsaking their independence to choose where they go. They're giving up. And they're saying, well, whatever you want, Dad. And I get to choose. And isn't that the heart of the struggle? Isn't that why we really struggle to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of that? But I, I kind of maybe love me more than I love God. <laughs> And I kind of maybe prefer my agenda over what God's agenda might be. And it's, it's more comfortable and easy to do my thing than it is God's thing. I, I, I want to do what's best for my life, not 
allow God to use my life to do what's best for his life. But we need to forsake our independence to choose where we go because we're in step with the Spirit. We're walking with the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. It's as if the Spirit's feet are under ours, guiding our every step. History has shown us that great movements have started when people realize that they haven't been reliant on the Holy Spirit and that they need to do so more, they need to start, they need to move into that space or give up or just let the Spirit do the Spirit's work. And the theological word for that is confession and repentance. Confession is naming that in ourselves and and repentance is saying no more. God, I want you instead. And I turn back to you and I jump on your feet and I hold your hands and I let I let you walk me forward. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to have a time of confession and repentance. And I'm going to open and then I'm going to create some space where I want you to actually um, verbally, out loud, confess your heart and how it is before God and what it is that you feel needs to shift. And I realize for some of you that might be super awkward, but it's okay. We're amongst friends. And, and then I want you to leave some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So basically, um, I'm going to open us and say, uh, God, um, uh, listen and be close. Invite you to respond if there's things you want to share with God and say you're sorry about and commit to a different way. And then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And then I'm just going to play a song out of that um, and, and then finally wrap us up. So let's pray. Loving God, that we realize we have not always loved you as you love us, and we are so sorry. We have not always trusted as you call us to trust. We have fallen into our ways. We have fallen away. We have fell away from the things you have called us to. We have trusted in our own lives more than we have trusted in your life. And Lord, now you want to hear us. You want us to confess aloud those things so that our hearts might be rejoined with you. We might repent and we might find you again. We might trust in you and you might lead us to more wonderful things. So Lord, we pray, hear us now as, as, we, re, as we repent, as we confess. And now is your, your opportunity to do so. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your kindness and your forgiveness of us. And now by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray right now.